Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Luke chapter number 15, verse number 11. Preaching a message today called Home is Where His Heart Is. Home is where his heart is. I want to read to you um, about 12 chapters, I mean uh, 12 verses, not 12 chapters, we'll be here all day. 12, <laughs> I'm going to read to you about 12 verses uh, out of the chapter number 15 in Luke, uh, and it goes like this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time that his money ran out, a great famine slept, swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said, Father, I have sinned against you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Home is where his heart is. Uh, if we're honest and we take a moment, a lot of us identify with this story. Maybe you don't, you know, know what it's like to go sleep with pigs or go eat what pigs eat. But you understand the difference between being up and out or down and out. And somewhere along the spectrum, you fit. Maybe you got a whole lot and you feel like you're out. Or maybe you don't have anything and you still feel like you're out. You feel like you're down. You feel lonely. You feel dark. You feel depressed. You feel unqualified. If that's you today, then this message is for you. If that's ever been you, this message is for you. Because if we're honest and we take a moment, we can say we are the guy in the story. We actually don't know anything about the, the characters. And I think God did that intentionally. We don't know the boy's name. We don't know the father's name. We don't know the brother's name. We don't know the farmer. Nobody has a name. I think that's because you are supposed to be in the story. So from now on, for the next 26 minutes, 52 seconds that I have to be up here with you all, I want you to put yourself in the story. You are the son. You are the son. I want to read a couple things for you. He says, when we pick up the story like this, he did not sin based on asking. The father was being a good, good father, perfect in all of his ways and all those great things. And the son walked up to the dad and was like, hey, dad, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I know we rich. So can I have my inheritance now? There was no resistance. There was no, the father just was like, 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. That's not where the sinning happened. The sinning happened not because he got the inheritance. The sinning happened with what he did with the inheritance that he got. Maybe you're in the room. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, life happens to you. Other times, if we're really, really, really honest, a lot of the stuff that happens in your life happened because of you. Can I be real in here? A lot of life happened because you were the one who ran up your credit card. Like, ain't nobody do that for you. You were the one who made the decisions that you made that put you in the position that you're in. But it's okay. It's okay. I came to encourage somebody today to let you know that you have a father in heaven who not only loves you, but he sees you right where you are. He says, it doesn't matter if it's your fault or something that happened to you. I see you and I love you anyway. Can we go a little deeper? Have you ever been in a situation where matters just get worse and worse and worse? And in life, you're like, man, I can't go no further. Like, I hit the rock bottom. And And then life is like, nah, fam, it's lower you can go. Like, I'm about to show Let me show you something real quick. Like, and then you're like, I didn't think I could go no lower. And then then life is like, you thought I was done? I got another one for you. Boom. Like. Oh, that payment didn't come out of your account last week. It's got to come out this week double. Like, you think that you've gone all the way to this point that, that, that this, just there's no return, but you get to this point where you ask this question. Tell me if, you, if I'm the only one. You say, when did it get this bad? Am I the only one in the room? When did the debt get this large? When did my relationship cycle get so ugly? When did my marriage go sour? When did I lose it? When did I lose myself? And then the famine happens. The famine is the thing that happened to him. The wild living and the spending happened because of him. And somewhere in the middle, we have this uh, dichotomy that comes together where these things are, and these, these two events are merging together, and they're all happening inside this boy in a pig pen. I'm starving. I had enough to not starve. And now look at where I'm at. How many times as Christian or children of God have we done this? We looked at the famine and said, oh, that's God punishing me. God's mad at me, man. I knew I shouldn't have done this. I wish I didn't. I just, if I would have. We've done that time after time after time after time after time after time after time again, thinking the things that happened to us happened because of us when they're really separate. But I want to encourage you today, point number one. Y'all ready to take notes? Y'all ready to take notes? Point number one is this. Write this down. You can come home. All of one person in the room just got that. That's cool. I'm going to say it again. You can come home. I'm going to break it down for you because some of y'all still looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, what does that even mean, Devontae? Like, I don't even know what coming home means. I mean, I thought I was at home. I live in Dallas. Like, oh. Like, <laughs> Listen, the young son was willing to work his way back twice. He tried to bounce back on his own. Once for the farmer and another time for his father. And that's the attitude that we live our lives with. It's like, if I could just get it together, if I could get clean, I'm going to get right, and then I'm going to go to church, 
I just got some stuff I got to work out and, you know, and then I got to get this together and, you know, and, and then, no, stop it. Stop it. You won't get clean without him. You can't get clean before him because if you could get clean before him, you would just need to work really, really hard. And then when you got there, you wouldn't need him. God designed you to be dependent on him. That wasn't even in my notes, but we, 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 we can stay there for a second, but I'm, I'm going to move on. On the way home, I love this part of the story. Get this. The boy is laying there in his sin. The boy's laying in a pig pen. And it said, the Bible says when he comes to his senses, let me pause there parenthetically and say this. Sin will always desensitize you. Sin will remove your, your, your senses. Sin cannot change your calling. But what sin will do is change how you feel about your calling. Sin won't change your identity. But sin will change the way that you see your identity. And that's when you start to relate with stuff that you picked up along the way. But that's not how you were designed in the beginning. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, addict, thief, ex-con, adulterer. You start, sin makes you pick up a false reality. But I love this part of the story. When, 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 when the boy comes to his senses, he says, I'll get up and I'll go home to my father's house. They have food enough to eat. Even his servants eat better than what I'm eating right now. I don't want to talk so much about the fact that he came home. I want to pause here for a minute, and I want to talk to you about the condition that he came home in. See, because I became a pigologist. That's not a word, I promise. I became a pigologist for this message. And let me just give you a few fun facts about pigs. Pigs, like, y'all know what pigs eat? Anything, everything, slop, they just mix it together and put it in a trough, right? Um, y'all know, like, pigs are, are dirty? I'm not giving y'all, like, any deep theological revelation right now. This is stuff that, like, you probably should know. The other thing is, like, pigs don't even have to be around. They're just naturally stanky. Y'all know pigs stank? Like, not stink. Like, like, like they stanky. There's a difference. This boy was laying with them, and he identified with pigs. So if the pigs eat anything and their breath smells like anything, their skin is dirty, and they naturally smell like what they've been doing or where they've been, I wonder what this boy, I wonder what the son was like laying in. Maybe his breath was smelling because if nobody gave him any food, I wonder what he had to eat. What they ate. If he's laying there with them when he came to his senses, I wonder what his skin looked like. It was dirty like them. Like if nobody's going to give you food, they sure not going to give you a shower. I, I mean, I wonder if, if it was just like these pigs. But I love this part of the story because it says on the way home. The father saw him a long way off. 
a long way. He didn't wait till he got to the door. He saw him a long way off. And he picked up his garment and took off running and met the boy where he was at. And the boy comes to him crying. You know that ugly cry like when you really, really are sad? Like it's silent for a few seconds. I mean, normally you see these kind of cries when you get a whooping or somebody else gets a whooping. Anyway, you start off with the cry and it's, <laughs> Daddy, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. If you just take me on to be one of your highest servants. The Bible says he was, the father was filled with compassion, ran and embraced him. My question is, when did the boy get clean? He didn't. The father still loved him enough to walk up to him and say, your filth does not phase me. Your dirt does not intimidate me. I can run and hug you. I don't care what you've been through. I know that you're my son. What is on you and what is in you does not change who you are to me. That is where we are today and that is who our God is in heaven. He says, your filth does not phase me. Why? Because only God can reach down into dirt and pick it up and... Blow the breath of life into his nostrils and create life. Only God can look at dirt and say, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Only God is the one who can take your dirt and say, it doesn't intimidate me. But instead, I breathe new life into your dirt. In other words, I'll repurpose your dirt. I'll repurpose your dirt. The greatness of God that you can come home dirty, smelling like pigs, looking like pigs, and he throws his arms around you as if you just left yesterday. The other part that I want to go to is point number two. Is you can stay home. You can come home. But you can also stay home. Here's what's amazing about God is that he has a welcome mat outside of his door, and his door is never locked for you. Because you only need locks on doors in positions that there are threats. He says, you're not a threat to me, and neither is your dirt. You can come in the house, and you can stay here. I got, I got a country family, all right? My mom is from Greenville, Mississippi. My dad is from Chicago, but my, my, my dad's side of the family is from Port Gibson, Mississippi. I, I'm pretty sure 75% of the room has never even heard of that. You know how I know? Because my whole family lives on one street, and the street is named after their last name. So I know. <laughs> uh, if you know this, you might be my cousin, all right? <laughs> it's very old. It's very country. But... Down south in those small towns, they don't lock doors because they know everybody coming in that door is somebody I know or is family. Now, here is a little bit different. They don't lock doors because they're in the south and it's country and everybody on the street is their blood some way, somehow. Here in Dallas, we lock, we lock doors because we watch First 48. And every other episode seems to be in Dallas, Texas. 2.45 a.m. On the corner of Hampton and Ledbetter. Like, <laughs> we don't lock doors. 
because we see verse 48 and what that looks like. I mean, we lock doors here because we watch verse 48. But the difference is God's door is always unlocked because nothing that could come into him would be a threat to who he is. You can stay home. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you may ask or think. Watch this. The son thought he would go home and have the lowest position in his father's house. He said, if I could just go home and be a slave. Being a slave is better than where I'm at now. If I could just go home and be a slave, but I came to tell somebody with Jesus, you always get more than what you came for. You come home, but you can stay home. Let me show you how. He, the Bible says uh, he, his father gave him a few things. I just got married two months ago, and this ring means that I belong to Stephanie Tidwell on the front row. Rings also mean sometimes that you belong to a team when they won a championship or a fraternity or a sorority. There's a bunch of different reasons that you have rings. The Bible also says that he gave him sandals for his feet. To protect his feet, I wonder if it was because he had a long walk from the journey that he had been on. And then the Bible says that he gave him a robe. Let me tell you the significance of a robe. Can we get a little theological? Robes have significance. In this culture, they only belong to the rich, the wealthy, and the royalty. This boy wanted to come home, get this, and wear an apron. He said, if I could go home and be a servant. He was willing to go home and put on an apron, but the father said, no, 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 no. I got a robe for you because if you leave as a son, you don't come back as a slave. If you left as a daughter, you don't come back as a slave. If you leave as a child, you come back as a child. No matter what you put on, you can put on this apron, you can put on this robe, or you can be dirty like the pigs that you just left, but you are still my child. This boy was willing to wear an apron. And his father was like, no, I got a robe for you. Maybe you're in a room and you feel like you're far. You feel like you strayed away and you've adopted this mentality that I got to work my way back. I got to get myself right. I got to serve my way back into right standing. Maybe you're in the room. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know what your background is, but I love that when, when Tim was first given the vision for this church, he said, Devontae, I want to be for the up and out and the down and out. For both sides. And I think that's why you can look around and see so many different types of people in the room. Because this is what heaven looks like. I'm just a kid who was rescued. If we boil it down. I'm just a kid who was rescued, and I'm trying to point somebody else to the rescuer. God is willing to come across the galaxy running to meet you in the middle with your dirty self, smelling like pigs, breath smelling like a pig. Skin dirty like a pig. First and foremost, let me just pause right there because I just had this idea like who on Winnie the Pooh is a really good friend because Piglet is a pig and then nobody tell him that his breath stuck one time. Like nobody told him he was dirty. One Piglet is the cleanest pig I think I've ever seen. Anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> the great prophet Luther Vandross said this in one of his songs. He said, a chair is still a chair 
even when nobody is sitting there. Oh, but a chair is not a house. And a house is not a home when no one's there to hold you tight. Listen, a lot of us feel like when you come to church, you feel empty because you feel like you're just walking into a house and it hasn't been welcoming you as if, a, as if it were a home. Let me stop there and apologize for Christians globally that have made you feel judged, that have made you feel far, that have made you feel disqualified from coming into the house of God because I am not in a position to disqualify you from the same house that I had to walk into and call home. I'm not in a position to judge you and say your story is too far or too bad or too ugly to be in this house when Jesus looked at me and said I don't care about your ugly listen Jesus cares more about your arrival than he was sad about your departure he's more excited with your arrival than he was disappointed in your departure you see this picture in the Bible is a is a is a shadow of what the kingdom of God looks like for you Because what's phenomenal is the father, when he embraced the son, smelly, dirty. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. But the Bible says something profound in the very next verse. It says, but the father said to the servants. Wait, the son is talking to the father and apologizing, but the father said to the servants. In other words, it didn't didn't bother the father that much. To the point where he did not even acknowledge his apology. The father said, quick, go get him a robe and a ring, some sandals. And point number three, as the band comes up. He said, go get him a fattened calf. In the middle of not embracing this boy's apology. Because he wasn't more disappointed in his departure than he was excited about his arrival. He said, quick, go get the fattened calf. Can I give y'all a little bit more theology? Just a little bit more, one last time. Point number three. There's a party when you get there. There is a party when you get there. When you get home, they said, go get the fattened calf. Not just any calf. This is a rich man. He has plenty of cows. Not just any calf. You have to take time to fatten the calf. You have to be intentional to fatten the calf. This tells me one thing. The father was anticipating his boy coming home the whole time. The father was waiting on the boy to show up through the door. Hey, keep fattening. Oh, make sure, did you give him extra? Did you give that cow extra? Because when my boy comes home, it's going to be a party. Make sure that you get him re- Keep him ready. No, 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 don't kill that one. Keep that one on the side. Kill the other ones. Because when my boy comes home, I want him to have the best calf that we got. Because there's a party when he returns. There's a party when you get there. All of sin and falling short of the glory of the Lord. And we all will always need to keep coming home. Always. The beautiful thing about God is he gives us all of these things every single time. Can I tell you how I know? Can I tell you how I know? The Bible says this. It says his mercies were made new every morning. Like the father 
He gave out of love the first time to give him the inheritance. And then he gave out of love to restore him the second time. The first time he gave him what he asked for. The second time he gave him what he needed. The first time he gave him what he asked for. And it was too much for him. The second time he gave him what he needed in order to be restored. How good is the grace of God that he could look at you with your dirty self, with your filthy self, your filthy past, ex-addict, thief, ex-con, ex-whatever. And he says, that doesn't intimidate me. I've been waiting for you to come home. I want you to come home. I want you to be home in the position that you're in. You don't have to go back to a position to be here to present yourself to me. I'm going to put you back in the position you need to be in. There's a party when you get there, and all you got to do is show up. The unearned, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God that saves you is the grace of God because of what Christ did on a cross. Christ being on a cross, a cross, a tool for torture. They tortured Jesus. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. But when, when he was stretched out on that cross, you see God, the Father, and you see us coming home. And from a long way off, you see the cross with both arms stretched out. And that tool for torture is no longer a tool for torture, but it becomes a bridge for breakthrough. When you put the cross between God the Father and us the man, you put the son on the cross and say that this is the only way that you're going to get there. This is how I bridge the gap. I'll run across the galaxy and send my son for you. A tool for torture. It's no longer used to torture. But it became a symbol of a bridge between humanity and divinity. Father. Run into his son. Established Jewish man didn't run anywhere at all. And he would pick up his garment, show his legs, look like a fool, and take off running because his boy was more important than his image. Maybe you're in the room. You feel far from God for whatever reason. Maybe it's because life happened to you. Or maybe it's because life happened because of you. Or maybe there's this whirlwind, this this hot and cold air mixture of a tornado going on in your spirit, a storm of the things that are happening. And you got both. You feel like you're laying with the pigs. You feel dirty. You feel filthy. Your breath smells like, or in other words, what comes out of your mouth, your speech sounds like, the hell that you've been through the places you've been he needed sandals his feet were dirty the journey was long maybe you smell like what you've been through but I came to tell somebody today that home is where his heart is and he wants you to be close to his heart at all times I don't know 
where you find yourself on that spectrum of the categories that I just gave. But I do know that you have a God in heaven who sees you where you are, who loves you and he sees you. He loves you and he sees you. He calls you what he called you in the beginning. He calls you what he said that you were going to be. He still calls you fearfully and wonderfully made. He still calls you beautiful. He still calls you a wife. He still calls you a husband. He still calls you a father. He still calls you a child. He still calls you mine. He still says you're my own. And he says, you know what? I don't care about your departure as much as I care about your arrival. Just come home. Just come home. Just come home. I think that we should give Jesus a shout of praise that he would meet us where we're at in the middle and say, I love you and throw his arms around you and say, I'm not worried. I don't, it doesn't phase me like it phases you. I can give you beauty for ashes. You just got to let me do it. 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 Somebody touch your neighbor. Let's get a little old school. Touch your neighbor and say, just hold on. We're going home. We're going home. Whew. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.